Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, and we are in preseason football, baby. Oh, that's right. Fall camp kicked off on the first. Fall camp with 100-degree temps, you know, like fall usually is. But uh, the boys in black are out there uh, working hard, trying to establish themselves on the depth chart and figure out what the heck we have on this team. Football's back. We are, what, 20... What, 25 days away or something like that? Um, so get excited. BK, get excited. And wait, man. It's great. Football is real, and there is, like, stuff that is actually taking place on a field. It's no longer just speculation. There are position battles that are taking place. The freshmen are actually earning their stripes. We saw a couple of newcomers earn their numbers earlier today. So there's real stuff happening right now, Nate Edwards. It's what I like to see. And we'll get right into it. Well, let's actually start with something that's going to help us in the future because we got a recent commit to the Missouri Tigers. His name is Shamar McNeil. He is a cornerback. Uh, he is rated, at, well, he's not rated in the state or at his position or in a national rank, but that's okay. He's from uh, Plantation, Florida out of American Heritage High School. He is, wait for it, 6'3", 175 pounds, 5.53 star. BK, I wish I loved anything as much as Eli Drinkwitz loves corners that are over six feet tall that are projects. Uh, and Shamar McNeil certainly fits that description. You watched his tape. You have opinions. Tell us about Shamar. Yeah, I mean, he fits into the long, rangy, physical type of uh, mold that the 
Tigers have been trying to find over the last few years. Here's the heights of the corners that Mizzou's had commit. 6'3", 6'3", 6'2", 6'2", 6'3", 6'1", 6'1", 6'1", 6'1". There's a theme there. <laughs> like, the, the thing that they seem to like, and they've talked about why, is the length and the physicality. It's good for press coverage. It's good for shortening the windows. Um shortening the windows for the quarterbacks to throw into like they really like the length on the outside and a lot of NFL teams do as well. So this is what they're looking for. I think if you see a cornerback that's 5'10", unless he's really awesome, like chances are Mizzou's probably not going to be recruiting them. That's just not what their philosophy is. So he fits into what they want to do. And then you watch the film and it's like, yeah, this, this guy has some real game to him. It's not just the fact that he's long rangey has all of the projectable traits that you're looking for. Like this guy has, real game he's pretty physical he's very good in press coverage he does seem to have like actual technique that he's trying to accomplish on the field whereas when i've watched some of these other guys in the past it's been more like oh yeah that's a track athlete that happens to play football and they're going to try <laughs> to teach him how to play the football this mm -hmm. is a real football player so i'm excited to see what he looks like he also plays for an incredible high school football team at american heritage mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with them they produce athletes every year uh they're going to be on espn's high school football kickoff in a few weeks so if you want to watch mizzou's newest commit shamar mcneil you can do exactly that on espn he plays on a team a defense actually that has a five-star defensive end last year three-star cornerback last year, three-star defensive tackle, four-star cornerback, three-star defensive end. This year, in the secondary, he is not even the best player in his secondary. In fact, according to Rivals, he is the third best player in his own secondary. He's got another four-star cornerback in the defensive backfield and a four-star safety. They also go up against a five-star wide receiver every day in practice. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... There's a lot of talent there, and in that first game, as I mentioned, they're going to be going up against a team from um, the L.A. area. They have the number two ranked quarterback by ESPN and the number 19 ranked wide receiver by ESPN. So you're going to find out right away what he's capable of against legit college football talents, and that'll be a moment when we really learn a lot about Shamar McNeil. But my big takeaway is, yeah, this makes sense. He is the type of player that Mizzou typically takes I wouldn't expect him to factor into the rotation right away, but over time, I think he's somebody that can be a projectable potential starter. Yeah. I am curious what his actual height is. Cause I mean, you listed the uh, heights from, from guys who are recruited, the actual heights of the corners currently on the roster are six foot, six foot, five, 11, six, two, six foot, six, one, and five, 11. So there's a couple shorties in there. Um, added an inch in their recruiting profile, which whatever, that's fine. But yeah, six three is super tall, super super tall, um, and, and you're you're assuming that the wingspan comes with that height, which kind of alludes to what you mentioned and what Drink mentioned a couple of years ago, which is in zone coverage, lawn arms give you even a, a bigger bubble to swat stuff down. Mm -hmm. So makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, and and playing with such talented guys in the secondary, sometimes you know it makes you think, okay. <laughs> Is he getting overlooked because, purely because there's so much more talent around him? Like, is he equivalent? Does he have the same amount of uh, op opportunities because his teammates are so talented? Um, you know, is he getting is he getting boosted for it? Like, you could you could ask yourself those questions round and round and round. That's why you go to the tape. That's why you watch. And while this is a middling three star prospect right now, 
there are some things that he does really well. This isn't like a kid, like you said, who's just learning, learning the spot. He's, he can hold his own, and obviously he's going to take some time to acclimate to the SEC and to Mizzou's scheme. But I don't know, BK. Does it feel like we're getting? Uh, does it feel like we're getting pampered with all these four stars that commit, and you get a three star, and all of a sudden your mind goes, "Eh, it's fine." Um, I. I mean, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Like, if you are somebody that is a little concerned about the fact that Mizzou is 65th overall right now in the team rankings, and that, like, yes, they do have three four-stars, and that is the difference. And that should not go overlooked. They've got a four-star quarterback committed right now from Washington. They have two in-state four-stars that are committed. That's a really big deal. They've got Ja'Kai Lang, who, like, he committed last December and mm-hmm. because he committed last December and has just stayed committed and there's been basically no news about him. We just forget that he's committed to them. He's a really good player, man. He's probably one of my favorite players outside of Joshua Manning that I've watched in this year's class. He's, he can play that. That is a really solid foundation for a recruiting class. And in any Barry Odom year, that would have been a top four that everybody would have been happy with. Yeah. But the, the expectations have been raised, and for good reason. And in this in this conference, you need to be a consistent top 30 recruiting team to be able to make ends meet. And right now, it's, it's no guarantee that Missouri's going to have one of those types of classes because they have so many three stars as part of this mix. So, yeah, I, I think it is okay to be a little confused and to wonder is this going to live up to what the last couple of years were recruiting wise and i i just don't really know where it's going to go from here like last year according to rivals you had the 12th ranked recruiting class in the country it was unreasonable to expect that again but before that you were 19th the year before and before that in his first year on campus you were 54th i think this is more resembling that 54th than it is either of the top 20 finishes that 54th rated class was all three stars, uh, two two stars, and then four transfers in. And that leads me to my second point. <laughs> Let's wait for the transfer portal. How much sure. is he going Absolutely. to you know, supplement with transfers? Because um, the fact of the matter is, is that there's a lot of talent already on the roster. Uh, and like not a lot of it is going to leave. The stuff that's going to leave are upperclassmen who are uh, kind of hit their ceiling. And you're hoping that the, the tw- or 19th best class, the 12th best class, starts filling in those spots that are going to leave. Now you always want to recruit the best you can, but you're not always going to win those battles. And and you might not have, you know, those, those shiny stars that might not be someone that the staff is interested in. So there's a lot of factors that go into it and who knows it's, you know, again, you don't sign until December. So there's a long way to go, but um, yeah, I mean, this would be the best Barry Odom class by far. And it's, almost the worst uh almost the worst drinkwitz class certainly the la- the worst drinkwitz class with a full 12 months to recruit um at least for now that's what it's shaping up to be but we'll see we'll see um i do like all those players you mentioned I'm also was, i don't know i just i like Chikai Lane a lot too i think he's great um but let's let's look to the to the present let's talk about the team that's out there in the sweltering heat practicing right now um <laughs> i want to go over Roster math. I dropped uh, dropped the numbers a couple days ago on Rock M Nation, giving you an overview of who was on scholarship, way, what position they play, how many on offense, how many on defense, how many on special teams, and what that number comes to. As a reminder, before the games start, 
College football teams need to have their total scholarship count down to 85. Currently, the Tigers are at 87, at least to my count. So there are, that's two spots they need to get down. Now, in the comments of that article, uh, I did have a back and forth with uh, the Jesse Bishop. He was asking if uh, sixth-year COVID seniors count, uh, if their scholarships count or not. You'll remember the seniors who should have graduated in at the conclusion of 2020 who did come back, they did not count for the 2021 season. That was explicitly stated by the NCAA. I have yet to find any documentation anywhere that says any other seniors have that same rule applied to them. So for all I know, they do not. If super seniors continue to not count, then Missouri would have 79 scholarships right now. And I'd guarantee you Drinkwitz would fill that with defensive linemen. So I kind of feel like it's not the case, but I don't know for sure. So what we're going off of is that they're at 87. They need to get it, get to 85 before camp reaches a conclusion. And that's part of what camp is good for. It shows you where you stand and what your chance of seeing the field is going to be. So BK, looking at this roster, looking at the breakdown of scholarships and who's playing where, what positions are you looking at that could not only afford, but probably need uh, someone to transfer or step away from the game to get us down to 85? Yeah, You mentioned the defensive line. They've got 18 scholarship players from that group right now. I don't think anybody knows who's playing where and when. Like, <laughs> it, it, other than, like, I fully anticipate Jeff Coat and McGuire will take the majority of the snaps at defensive end. From there, good luck. Like, I, I have no <laughs> idea what how the snap share is going to shake out. And I'm not sure that the coaches do either, honestly. And that's what's going to be found out over the next couple of weeks as we start to progress into uh, fall camp. I don't know what that looks like, but my guess is you'll see a defensive end or two, maybe a defensive tackle as well, decide, you know what, I'm pretty clearly not going to see the field this year. Maybe it's best for me to take my talents elsewhere. And that's mm-hmm. not a shot against anybody in that room. It's just a reality of how deep that room is. And in some ways, this is a point uh, in favor of what the coaching staff did in the offseason and mm-hmm. throw numbers at the position and let's see how it shakes out because mm-hmm. last year was a disaster and it can't happen again. And they knew that like if as a kind of cross board comparison, Cardinals fans that are listening to this right now have been asking <laughs> for years for the team to throw numbers at the pitching situation and the team doesn't do it. And then what happens by the trade deadline, they are desperate for pitching. And so instead of doing that, maybe this offseason, this is going to be the year where they actually go out there and get some pitching in the offseason so that way they're not desperate when it comes to the trade deadline. Mizzou was kind of that way last year. By the end of the season, they were desperate. Just somebody, give us snaps. Give us competent snaps on the defensive line. This year, I don't think they're going to have any of those issues. So that's one spot. Offensive line is another where they've got 19 Mm -hmm. scholarship players. And then maybe linebacker where you've got nine guys and there's a couple of them that are... um, technically sophomore eligible right now that aren't really in the mix necessarily. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see something happen there either, but mostly focused on both lines. Yeah. I mean, God, you have almost 20 offensive linemen, <laughs> only 25% can play on the field at any given point. So that's five dudes, which means you have 14 who aren't on the field. Now, you know, offensive line goes eight deep and sometimes nine deep. So like, 
you know, you can probably get half of them in there, cycle them in at some point, but it ain't going to be everybody <laughs> that that's for sure. Um, so that's, that's certainly the place that I would look to. I agree with linebacker again, in a four, two, five, you only have two linebackers on the field. Now you need linebackers for special teams, uh, or you need linebackers for special packages or whatever, but yeah, it's going to be two dudes, which probably means you are four deep on that, which leaves five guys who aren't seeing the field. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense as well. But, um, I mean, you know, we're not pushing anybody out. We're not going to name any names, but you're just looking at places that are very, very crowded and, 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 and positions that either have it figured out or people are getting recruited over. Uh, and that's typically what you're going to look at as far as people leaving or you know retiring from the game or transferring out. So, we will see what that means going forward. Um, one one of the positions that actually got cleared up a little bit uh, was the offensive line, which we just mentioned. Um, but day one of fall camp, Eli Drinkwitz st- steps to the podium and tells us two things. Number one, uh, our Buffalo center Polgar is ineligible. And number two, you pronounce his name Bincy. Both of those took me completely by surprise. Number one, B-E-N-C-E. One would think that would be Bence. It's apparently Bency. Who would have thunk? Number two, I guess Buffalo's got some weird classes that don't transfer over to Mizzou as far as credits go because ineligibility is usually on a scholarship, uh, on the scholarship front. Um, so I guess Mr. Polgar gets to hit the books and get that rectified in the fall. He'll be eligible in the spring, assuming that's going to go well. Um, but that doesn't help the 2022 football team because they play in the fall of 22. So BK, we have talked before about this offensive line configuration. And for most of it, we have cited Polgar as either your center or kind of a, a guard option with him being ineligible. That certainly simplifies the answer as far as one position uh, on this line. Don't you think? Yeah, I would be pretty surprised at this point if Connor Tullis isn't your starting center. I think he's going to be the guy. There were already some expectations that he might start at center over Polgar because he has more upside there. But I had some question of like, hey, do you want such a young player to be at the center position where there are some more calls that you have to make? There's just more to it there. Or do you put him at guard and surround him by two veterans that have been there, done that on the offensive line? That would have made some sense to me. But with this news, I I think he's your guy. I think he's going to start at center and then it, works its way out from there. I think you're going to see Delgado and then maybe you'll see some opportunities for Griffin at one guard spot. I think uh, Wood is going to have the other guard spot locked down. And then I think it's a three-man race for offensive tackle with White holding down one spot and then Lee or Powell probably holding down the other. That's my expectation at this point. Something could change depending on what we see in camp, but um, barring something unforeseen, I think you've got basically six guys fighting for five spots on the offensive line. And I think your interior is almost certainly set as we kind of expected yeah. it to be. But now <clears throat> you just have an answer at center with Tolleson. Yeah. I mean, heading in J- Javon Foster was by far, I mean, he's the best returning run blocking offensive lineman in the sec. Yes. He is going to play tackle. He's going to play left tackle. You know, barring some miracle recovery from Hiron White, it is going to be, yeah, Makai Lee, Zeke Powell, maybe a Bobby Lawrence. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's this pretty much figures it out that that kills a lot of the creativity that we've been talking about the offensive line. Uh, 
Drinkwitz did specify that uh, Tolleson, uh, Drake Heismeyer, the St. Charles product, and then Richard Taylor, the uh, former walk-on, two-star walk-on, who earned his scholarship a couple years ago. Those three, Taylor had been kind of rotating in at tackle. Heismeyer has more snaps at defensive tackle than he does on offensive line. Huh. Uh, but those two um, are kind of focused on pushing Connor Tolleson uh, for the center spot. So I mean, it could conceivably be Taylor, who is a fifth-year senior, or Heismeyer, who's a third-year sophomore. But man, yeah, from, from an upside, from an athleticism standpoint, from what we've heard, uh, yeah, Redshirt freshman, second-year player Connor Tolleson will probably be your guy. And he'll be flanked by a lot of experienced dudes, Foster, Delgado, and Wood. I mean, they're all at least fifth-year players. Uh, I think Wood, yeah, Wood's a graduate student this year. So, like, he's got a lot of experience around him to help him with the calls to, you know, kind of correct him if he needs it. Um, So maybe this is a good thing. He gets to learn on the job with a bunch of vets around him, like – it's not, it's not perfect, and this isn't the season for a breakout anyway, but if you got to learn the job, you might as well do it with dudes who have been doing it for four or five years, you know? Yeah, and at some point, you just got to let the kid play, you know? Like, yeah. Whether it's yeah. now or next year or whenever, like, eventually you've got to give him those opportunities, and it seems like everybody around the team that has seen Tolleson play is really high on what mm-hmm. he can be at Mizzou. And I remember, like, when he was a – recruit there were some conversations about hey Mizzou might have really got something here because he wasn't a really high uh level recruit in high school and then suddenly at the end of the recruitment I was like oh all the big boys are in town to try to see if they can get in on Carter Tolleson so um I'll be interested to see what he looks like as a center and we'll find out pretty quickly exactly what he's capable of because Mizzou's schedule early on is something where you'll you'll see him go up against some pretty good talent yeah, I mean, you get Louisiana Tech to start, which is not a great team, and they're starting over with a brand-new head coach. So one would think that would be a fair challenge, uh, one that he should be able to pass. And then, yeah, you get to go to Big 12 Dark Horse Darling, Kansas State, week two. <laughs> so good luck. Uh, and then, of course, Auburn's week four. Uh, it's just it's not an easy intro uh, for any for any of the new kids who are, who are seeing the field now. But um, – this is the schedule you got. It's the one you got to play. He came to Mizzou to play an SEC schedule, and here you go. This is it. So uh, speaking speaking on Tolleson, Nate, yeah. just like for those that are curious about what I mean by the, the big boys coming in late, here's his offer list. Nate, you tell me what star rating you think this player is. He's out of Jackson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. He's got offers from Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, K-State, Kentucky, Memphis, Michigan State, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas A&M, West Virginia, and oh, by the way, Alabama. Oh, damn. What's, I didn't realize Alabama was in there. They came in late. What star rating do you think that player Ooh. is? <laughs> I, that is like a the highest 5.7 or like a four star, something like that. And certainly yeah. not a middle pack three star, five and a half. He was 5.5 three stars. So I think when he people hear Tolleson, sometimes they we just doing what we do, especially you think back to what his recruiting profile was. You're like, hey, not a whole lot of upside there, man. When you've got a kid from Jackson, Missouri, who's got those kinds of offers, there's upside and teams see it. And the recruiting site, I'm just going to say it like was probably wrong on this player. <laughs> yeah, probably did not take a long enough look at him is a. I'm not going to look it up. I'm assuming Jackson's probably one of the lower classifications in Missouri high school sports. Um, 
So that might be going against him too. The competition oh, sure, that he went yeah. against. Um, but yeah, apparently dude's got talent and he's got a, a beautiful mullet or at least he did. I hope he still has it. Uh, but we will find out. Uh, so yeah, good luck offensive line. <laughs> your, your job at, at both times has just become easier to figure out and harder to execute. So congratulations. Uh, and then Mr. Polgar, I hope you enjoy campus and I hope you enjoy practice and all the benefits of being on the team. Unfortunately, you don't get to play on Saturdays, which stinks, but we will get you there. The other interesting development By as far way, as, Jackson yes, go ahead. Apparently a 5A team. So they're bigger than I would have expected. Huh. That surprises me. They defeated Platte County in the uh, 5A state title in 2020. Missouri still goes up to 6A, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, the biggest classification in Missouri is 6. So it's a little bigger than you would have expected. Wow. This is my shocked face. (laughs) I know podcasting (laughs) is a visual medium, but yeah, I got my shocked face on. Good on you, Jackson. Missouri high school. Yeah. Um. What the hell was I talking about? Oh, right. Yeah. Developments in fall camp. Um, so Mr. Polgar missing time. Sad. Interesting little nugget here. Jamarian Wayne, the uh, the receiver we were super high on, not Luther Burden, not Mikai Miller, the other one. Uh, Jamarian Wayne, who I loved. I loved his film as a receiver. Uh, little nugget from, uh, from Dave Matter. He is practicing with the safeties, which, you know, go back and look at his film. Um, and kind of reports written about him. He does. He did play both ways. He played receiver. Uh, he played defensive back. He played a little bit of running back. He played a little bit of quarterback. So like he is one of those dudes that was just like super athletic and did everything for uh, Parkway West. But when he got onto campus, you know, BK, you and I were like, oh yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a great addition to the uh, wide receiving core. And wouldn't you know it, he's hanging out with Martez Manuel and Jalen Carlisle and then the safeties. So. Uh, BK, I feel like this isn't a bad thing, but what what do you make of this development? Yeah, well, I, I'm mad at myself because I forgot he's ineligible to play wide receiver. Uh, he's 6'3". <laughs> and when you're 6'3", the only position you can play if you're between corner and safety and wide receiver uh, is on the defensive side of the ball. They, they yeah. don't have X wide receivers. They don't do that. They actually have a wide receiver, or they have an offense that exists without X wide receivers. That That's how it works at the university of Missouri. Um, I, I don't know what to say, man. I'm pretty surprised by this. I, my assumption is if I'm going to try to spin it, I think that they viewed their wide receiver room as being mostly set. I mean, you look at what they have available to them. Barrett Bannister is going to be in the slot. Toski dove is going to get opportunities at the X Dominic Lovett is going to play some Z. You're going to have Mookie Cooper getting opportunities in the slot. Mm. Luther Burden is going to be a starter for you this year. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Makai Miller be a guy that ends up getting opportunities there as well. So when you have all of those guys, and oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Curtis Looper. Like, mm-hmm. Chance Looper, excuse me. That's, that's a lot of dudes fighting for snaps. And there's probably not a whole lot of targets that are going to come to Marion Wayne's way. So, is it better to utilize him there or with the star position now existing in Missouri's defense, which is basically like a, it's, you've heard it called an overhang in some defense. You hear it called a nickel in some defense, but it's 
it's basically a linebacker safety corner in one is the easiest way that I can describe it. But Martez Manuel is going to be in that spot. The backup right now, it seems like, is Dalen Carnell. Mm -hmm. Your starting safeties, my guess is Charleston and Carlisle. I don't know who the backup is at those two spots. I would assume Jelani Williams at one. Maybe, maybe Isaac Thompson can be the other. But I think that they'll have some competition now with Jamarian Wayne. And maybe they see an opportunity for him to get into the two deep. And if that ends up being the case, I do understand it for that perspective. But I don't think we've seen the last of Jamarian Wayne playing wide receiver. I think he could still end up being there. Well, it was, uh, it was Cam Hilton. Do you yep. remember him uh, from U City? He he was a defensive back by trade. Came in in fifteen, played safety, flipped to receiver halfway through the year when Drew Locke couldn't hit anybody. Uh, had a couple of key catches against BYU, and then went back to to safety. So like you've seen players before, kind of flip flop between positions if they're good enough to do it. You know, if you if the team has a need somewhere and you've got the ability to do it, yeah. This is how you see the field. This is how you build trust with your with your coaches. This is how you provide value to your team. And for Mizzou fans, this is frankly, this is how you hold on to a player, right? Get them on the field. And, and if you want to keep Jamarian Wayne long term and you don't want, you know, you don't want to bury him on the bench and then have him never see the field, this is a way to do it. So his athleticism is obviously very clear that he's got some excellent athleticism in a couple of different positions, which is awesome. Not saying he's going to play quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to play running back, but if he can do both and there is a need for him to be in one, then I'm all for it. It makes me sad from a, you know, watching him catch the ball standpoint. But like you said, this is one year. Who knows what's going to happen going forward? So um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. He is currently listed at 6'2, 186. So he's a little light, um, especially considering like. Carlisle is 215, Manuel's 207, Charleston's 200. But, like, you know, Jelani Williams is 185. Yeah. Tyler Jones is 198. Isaac Thompson is 192. So, like, it's not crazy. A couple pounds here or there is not a huge difference. And, again, if this gets him developed into, you know, an awesome uh, star or awesome safety, then I'm all for it. It's great. You mentioned the uh, Cam Hilton comp, and that that's a good yeah. one. I, I'm going to go back and look at what he was listed at. He was a smaller guy as well. He was. Yeah. When he first got into to Mizzou, it doesn't show what he's listed at on their website anymore. But I would think he would have probably been somewhere around that like 185, 190 range too. So they've done it before with something like this. Yeah. Yeah, not crazy. I mean, really, <laughs> other than a few rare exceptions, college is kind of the last place where you have players who can play both sides of the ball really well. You know, like yep. you don't really see that in the NFL, so it's not crazy. Uh, Cam Hilton on Rivals, anyway, was listed at six foot one seventy two. I can't imagine he packed on more, much more pounds than that. Maybe in the one eighty range, one ninety. Yeah, Sports Reference has him listed at six foot one hundred ninety pounds. So there you go, shorter, but weighed pretty similar in terms of what you're getting out of Jamarian Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting to keep track of. Um, and then kind of our last item for the night, remember we're doing these once a week, so, uh, you don't have to wait to a week in between. You're going to get a whole lot of us going forward. Um, you know, Eli Drinkwitz loves his kitschy motivational stuff. And, uh, one of those, as we've talked about in previous seasons is that 
newcomers need to earn their number. I got to do something in practice. You got to show something off the field or in boring practice sessions to earn the right to put numbers on your shirt. And, and that's, that's what we're going to do. And that's what we've given. It's earned Nate. They're right. <clears throat> you got to earn those funny numbers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun little game and I think we all roll our eyes at it. And then I'm like, Desperately refreshing mutigers.com, trying to see if the numbers are going to get uploaded with and who got what. So we got our first two uh, players, newcomers, to get their numbers. Earn their numbers. Sorry. Uh, I didn't get them. You're right. They earned it with showing up and punching that punching bag and being a good teammate and having heroic levels of, of hydration so your pee is white. Um, the first one was Christian Williams the transfer from Oregon, defensive tackle. He'll be wearing number 92. The other one, mm, love this, Sam Horn, baseball player, currently at Mizzou, quarterback, wearing the number 21, baby. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 21. 21, a quarterback with a two and a one on his chest and a two comes before the one it looks funky it looks good this is missouri this is missouri tigers our edge rushers wearing number 85 our defensive tackles wearing number 34 our receivers wearing number 29 and our quarterbacks wearing number 21 bk i know you hate this tell me why you hate it so much i've never been more concerned about sam horn's future never <laughs> if you were out on sam horn today i would understand it like <laughs> I'm not sure that he has a future of playing quarterback. He might be a safety. He might have to move. It's going to be him and Jamarian Wayne, two of the guys that Mizzou fans were very excited about. They're not even going to be able to play their own positions. Jamarian Wayne, because apparently he's he's not quite good enough to play receiver, but too good to not see the field, so you got to move him to safety. And Sam Horn, because he willingly chose the number 21, I I don't understand it, man. It's baffling to me. It's not a good quarterback number. Aesthetically, it's horrible. It's just awful. <laughs> and I I think there's a real chance that this holds him back. I don't think that he's going to be able to reach his full potential until he changes to either number two, number one, or number 12. Those are the only options. You have to be one of those three numbers now. And the fact that he chose number 21, I think shows poor decision making. And I think it's something that should be added to a scouting report. I seem to remember a certain noticeable passer, an effective passer who wore number 21. Do you remember Bud Sasser? So is he moving to receiver? Is that what you're suggesting? I'm saying Bud Sasser never threw an incomplete pass and never not threw a touchdown. That's what I'm saying. It was a great receiver. 21. One of one of my favorite wide receivers to watch at the University of Missouri and also just a tremendous human being who is back at the University of Missouri helping them with NIL now. So I mean, maybe there's a long future for Sam Horn as a wide receiver and a future great member of society helping Missouri usher in this era of NIL. But it's clear to me his future can't be a quarterback until he switches his number. Remember Mike Winchell from Friday Night Lights? Number 20. Yeah, what was his future like? Well, he's great. He's a great quarterback. He's a great quarterback, BK. Mike yeah, Winchell. in high school, just like Sam Horn. Yeah, I remember a certain Heisman-winning quarterback who wore 22. Remember that guy? Okay. Doug Flutie. All right. Yeah. Yep. 
Breaking the norm in every possible way with Sam Horn. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hell yeah. I love in it. In all seriousness, I I do kind of care. Like, I, I want to say that I don't care. I do kind of <laughs> care because it's a terrible number. Like, it's, it's just, it is so bad in no, every possible way. No. Obviously, this isn't going to hold him back from being a quarterback. And if you want me to give you, like, an actual take on this, I find it super interesting that he was the one that got it first. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I I know this stuff doesn't really matter, but remember when Taj Butts took like a year to get his jersey mm-hmm. number and mm-hmm. then never saw the field mm-hmm. and we have like never heard anything about him ever again? Um, <laughs> yes. He's technically still on the team, but I hear everybody's name mentioned in the competition for the running back room except for his, <laughs> which is not great for my guy, but um, no pun intended. Sam Horn getting it first does seem somewhat meaningful, especially because Jack Abraham is a Mm -hmm. newcomer and Mm -hmm. does not have his number yet. And I have always been of the opinion that this competition, at least to start, is or to open the season, rather, is between Abraham and Cook. And that eventually maybe Sam Horn can work his way into the mix. I don't know, man. The more I'm thinking about it and the more that I've heard from people that are around the team on a day-to-day basis... I don't think it's crazy to believe that Sam Horn could end up being the number two quarterback going into the season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he starts week one. I'd be pretty shocked. I'd be less shocked today, though, than I would have been a week ago. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I think he's yeah. going to play. I think he's going to. I think Sam Horn will play at some point this year. Meaningful snaps. So, you know, we've talked about, especially last year, God, just like giving giving Brady Cook or Tyler Macon a series in a game, right? With with Connor Baselak still there. Yeah. Just to see what you've got. And that didn't happen. Drinkwood stuck by his guy, just like he has his entire career. He's only he only plays one quarterback, he only plays one running back, right? So like we talked about that, you and I did a scene series. And you know, we we cite Pinkle, but you know, Pinkle he did that because it was like it was Brad Smith's last year and Chase Daniel was really good. Or, you know, it was Chase Daniels last year and Blaine Gabbert was really good. Or it was clearly Blaine Gabbert was going to the NFL and James Franklin's really good. Like it made sense because like there was going to be a baton pass at the end of the year. You know, I think with the wink and a nod, we know there could be, but you know you don't know that for sure. And if you start siphoning off series for Sam Horn or Tyler Macon or Jack Abraham or, or Brady Cook or whoever, you know, that's sending signals to a guy who has a lot of eligibility left. Now, I'm not saying this quarterback room is going to stay intact from this year to next year. Like, obviously, no, someone's going to transfer. But, you know, it, to send that message in the middle of a season that it, you're going to have a lot of toss up games and you need buy in, you do need to play your best. And if your best that week is Brady Cook, play Brady Cook. If your best that week is Sam Horn, play Sam Horn. But don't take away a series in the middle of the game to prepare for, you know, the future with Sam, right? Do it at the end, do it at the with the G5 with Louisiana Tech with the FCS opponent like do it then. Get get him out there then, but don't do it in the middle cuz I've heard a couple of people say that, but um I am really You're curious. You're trying to win. Like that, yes. that's the thing that I think people need to understand and, and yes. remember is like the goal is to win these games. And I understand that it's also to develop guys for the future, but man, Drinkwitz is trying to keep his job and he's trying to give his team the best chance to win every single week. 
And just having a guy that you deem to not be your best quarterback on the field for 10% of your drives in any given week is not, the the game. The be- is not giving your team the best chance to win. Yeah. Just not. In the middle so, of the game. That's not it. No. no. Like you said, against Louisiana Tech, against Abilene Christian, you want to see what he's got available to him. I'm in. That sounds great. And even if it's the middle of the game, if you want to rotate series, honestly, against those teams, whatever. Um, <laughs> but against K-State, stick with no. your guy. Yeah. Against yeah. Auburn by week four, you need to know who your starting quarterback is. And mm-hmm. that should be your guy, barring something changing for the rest of the season. Like that's, that's the way this should go. And if Sam Horn is your guy by then, so be it, man. Great. Awesome. We know what the future of Mizzou football is going to be because that guy is, is going to lead them into whatever things are going to look like at Mizzou mm-hmm. over the next few years. Um, if it ends up being Brady cook, great. I think Brady cook can be a really solid starting quarterback for this team, but mm-hmm. I think week four is when you need to know. That's when you absolutely have to make your decision. I agree. So we'll see. We got two numbers out of the way. There's a lot of newcomers, so there's a lot of potential for them to earn their number. Don't be Taj Butts. Be a chance looper. Get it out of the way, yeah. early guys. Drink your water. Do your reps. Lift those weights. <laughs> be a good teammate. Earn your no- earn your number, please. Earn it. Um, BK, any parting shots? I don't think so, man. Uh, I'm interested to see you over the next week or two. The thing that stinks about camp this year and um, listen, I'm not there on a day-to-day basis, but we follow all the people that are Dave Matter, Gabe DeArmond, all of those guys. But uh, from what I understand, they basically see none of camp up close. Yeah. Like it's it's essentially stretching. And that mm-hmm. sucks, dude. You can't learn anything that way. Like you can see the stretching lines, and sometimes that'll give you an indicator on who's where in the depth chart. But otherwise, it's just you're 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 hoping that one of the players or coaches slips and gives you a nugget of information. <laughs> And so if you're a Mizzou fan that's waiting for those those morsels of information, it is harder now than it ever has been fo- before to actually get that stuff. Uh, when I was covering the Chiefs in Kansas City, you could watch the entire practice. And I had a pretty good idea of who was where on the depth chart and what was going to happen as a result of that. I had a pretty good idea of what the offense was going to look like, defense, etc. At Mizzou, they just don't have that. They don't have that luxury. So... Uh, Keep that in the back of your mind as you're reading any of the coverage over the next few weeks or as you're listening to us. There might be surprises when we get to the first week of the season, and Mm -hmm. that is because of the way that camp is now covered, unfortunately, in my mind. Yep, I agree. But that's going to be the show for today. Like I said, we'll be back next week, one show a week as we go through camp, transitioning into two shows a week once we get into the games to recap the game and then preview the next week. So there's going to be a lot of BK and Nate in your ears going forward. Uh, as always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us because we love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock M flagship at Rock M Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.